2: George Rodriguez. Howdy, 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 my friends. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio. The answer here in San Antonio. Thank you very much for being to, uh, with us today on this uh, beautiful Saturday, June 26th. I hope you're having a good uh I hope you're having a good weekend, my friends. Uh, you know, there's so much happening in the world right now uh, in our cities that uh, you know trying to stay upbeat is very, very difficult. Sometimes it really, really is. I, um, you know, trying to stay optimistic and trying to stay uh, upbeat, uh, it, it's very, very difficult. Particularly when you're in the uh, in the news media uh, industry like we are. Uh, it, 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 you know, you're you're constantly bombarded with the. Uh, with all the silliness that's going on. And I, well, you know, I, I, I can't classify it as silliness silliness anymore. It's serious. It's really, really serious. So uh, I hope you're staying safe. I hope you're doing good. Uh, or should I say well? That's improper English there. And, um, but, uh, uh, you know, on the, uh, uh, on, on the uh, immigration news, well, what's been going on, and there has been a lot that's been going on. So, um. Let's start, first of all, with uh, who is um, our guests today. First of all, we're going to have Jay Wiley, who is a good friend. He's been on before. Jay uh, is host of a uh, national radio program, a national syndicated radio program uh, called uh, Law Enforcement Today. And uh, Jay's going to be chatting with us regarding this whole situation of the pressure that it's on on police officers. Uh, One of the things that I wanted him to chat with us, because I do have several friends who are uh, police officers currently, Uh, some of them getting ready to uh, retire, some of them not so, and um, the pressure that that police officers are feeling right now is tremendous, my friends, tremendous. So I asked him to please come on the show and chat with us about that. Uh, We also have Jorge Bonilla. Jorge Bonilla is with the um, Media Research Center. And uh, I wanted uh, Jorge to chat with us regarding the how the Spanish language media is uh, covering the uh, the uh, riots, the demonstrations, all of the craziness that's going on, as well as what are some of the things that are happening in the Hispanic community that uh, are being unnoticed, that are going unnoticed by the mainstream media Uh, in many ways, because Hispanics. Uh, don't fit uh, the the uh, narrative uh, in many occasions because we I mean, because we don't fit uh, the black uh, exploitation uh, narrative uh, because of that, we uh, sometimes are ignored. And so uh, Americans of Hispanic descent, that be they be they Puerto Rican, be they uh, of Mexican descent like yours truly, uh, you know, we just don't fit. Uh, into the categories, into uh, the little cookie cutter uh, uh, descriptions that uh, many of these uh, of these reporters uh, would like to, or would, uh, or are used to. So anyway, uh, Jorge Bonilla is going to chat with us about what's what's going on in the Hispanic community right now, and some of the things that are being that are being ignored. Uh, our final guest is uh, is uh, America's sheriff. I call him America's sheriff, uh, Richard Mack. Uh, Richard is going to chat with us about um, the uh, law enforcement and the Constitution. Uh, He is uh, president of the Constitutional uh, Sheriff's and uh, Peace Officers Association. And uh, this issue of, uh, you know, the limitations of law enforcement, the limitations that are being placed on law enforcement right now in the name of political correctness uh it, it's serious my friends it's 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 damaging to not only to the morale of the uh, law enforcement agents uh who are just trying to do their job but it it also is dangerous for law abiding citizens it is very very dangerous for us my friends because once you begin to excuse lawlessness uh you're going to get more it's you know it, that is the fact if you if you excuse bad behavior you're going to get more so anyway all right let's jump into um Let's jump into some uh, some uh, immigration news real quick. Um, the uh, the biggest the biggest uh, news this week has uh, it happened on Thursday when the Supreme Court ruled uh, it gave a significant fig- uh, victory uh, to uh, the Trump administration regarding the efficiency of um, the removal of illegal aliens. The decision uh, came uh, regarding an illegal alien. Who uh, was caught at the border, and uh, you know they are subject. They are now subject to quick deportation. Well, this individual claimed that um, you know that he claimed asylum, and he uh, claimed that there was a uh, fear, prosecution, or persecution, should I say, in his native land. Uh, The alien uh, was a Sri Lankan uh, national in this case, and he he argued that he had the right of habeas corpus, habeas corpus entitled him to further review. Okay. So therefore he was a, he he was claiming that he could stay here in the United States and go through a uh, process and procedure and further review, et cetera, et cetera. However, here's, here's the catch. The Supreme court noted that the writ of habeas corpus has always been used strictly for gaining release of unlawful detention. Now, Unlawful detention is very, very different than somebody who is caught at the border crossing illegally. Okay. Very, very different. You know, that's like uh, somebody being caught in in, in a crime at the crime scene. And uh, they claim the writ of habeas corpus. Well, they can't because they were caught red-handed. They were caught red-handed. They are going to go to trial. They are going to get their hearing but they were caught, and so the rid of habeas corpus doesn't really apply for, and it doesn't apply in this case for for these illegal aliens. These illegal aliens that are caught red-handed at the at the uh, border, they can claim asylum, but they have to return to their countries and wait for the asylum hearing there. That's the big difference, my friends. That's the big difference. And so what it's going to do in this situation, my friends, what's going to happen is that it's going to allow uh, for uh, the unclogging because there are a lot. I mean, people play this game a lot with uh, with the immigration process. They claim immediately asylum upon getting uh, caught at the border. Well, this, is, this situation is going to clear that up because they are the, the, uh, the immigration, the ICE folks, are going to be able to deport them uh, just as fast as they can catch them. They're going to be able to deport them. And, uh, you know, there's nothing that says that these people cannot, uh, cannot go through a hearing, but they have to wait either in a detention center or they have to wait on the other side of the border, and what's been happening lately is that uh, the the, uh, the uh, ICE folks have been, uh, the immigration uh, law enforcement has been deporting them, has been deporting them, so uh, it is a big victory. It is a very, very big victory for us, uh, for those of us who are pro-border uh, security and, and law enforcement for immigration. It is a very, very big, big uh, uh, victory. In other news of what's happening on the border, uh, in Laredo, Texas, uh, this past week on uh, la- weekend, uh, last Saturday, the twentieth, uh, there was a pursuit uh, of a uh, of a vehicle that had uh, marijuana that uh, was carrying marijuana. Uh, unfortunately, the driver uh, drove the truck, uh, the-, the vehicle drove it into the uh, into the Rio Grande, and then was able to escape to the other bo- to the other side of the border. But again, uh, you know, it shows how, you know, these uh, these these folks, the 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 drug trafficking continues. Uh, There was another incident also in Laredo where the Border Patrol arrested two American citizens at a checkpoint uh, who were transporting eighty five thousand dollars worth of uh, marijuana. Eighty five thousand dollars. Now, again, my friends, these are the cartels. Uh, encouraging and bringing uh, and, and bringing uh, uh, drugs across the border and paying folks good money to smuggle it. In yet another incident, and this happened on uh, last uh, Thursday, the 18th, the Laredo Police Department, uh, in uh, in conjunction with Homeland Security, uh, they uh, their task force uh, went after and 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 discovered. Uh, drugs, money, and weapons in a central L- Laredo home. The, uh, the search uh, found uh, a 9mm a uh, handgun, one high-capacity ammunition magazine, numerous ammunition rounds, 9 pounds of heroin, 47 pounds of crack cocaine, uh, 2.5 pounds of uh, regular cocaine, and cash uh, of $11,000, over $11,000. Again, my friends, this is what's happening. Just on our side of the border, courtesy of what is happening on the other side of the border, the cartels are, are just salivating. They just salivate to find someone who will do their dirty work. And right now, because of the because of the clo- uh, the closed economy, because of the situation with. Uh, uh, folks not being uh, working, as well as a lot of impressionable kids, because one of the things that they've also been using a lot of is kids uh, minors, because uh, they know that minors were, are, are going to get a break, they're not going to get uh, sent up, you know, if it's a offense, etc., etc. The cartels are using folks on our side of the border, my friends, uh, and paying them very, very big money. Finally, finally, uh, there was a, the situation regarding uh, officials in um, in South Texas. Uh, these pro illegal alien uh, activists are, are, are lobbying uh, the Port Isabel Detention Center uh, because they want uh, folks released. They want folks released because they're afraid of getting the covid again, my friends. All they have to do, all of these detainees, all they have to do is just say, I want to be returned and they would be released. You know, they don't have to sit there, but here's the catch. They want to be released in the United States. That's the problem. My friends, once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio. Thank you for being with us. I hope you'll call your friends and tell them to join us. Uh, We'll uh, take a quick little break and then uh, we'll come back uh, with our first uh, guest, Mr. Jay Wiley. And uh, then after that, followed by Jorge Bonilla with the uh, Media Research Center, and uh, the final guest is uh, Mr. Richard Mack, Sheriff Richard Mack. And uh, so I hope that you'll enjoy the show, my friends. Call your friends. Tell them to join us. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio, The Answer. The Answer.
3: elconservador.net. You can also follow him on Facebook at George Rodriguez elconservador and on Twitter at elconservador for daily commentaries. You can also purchase his book El Conservador: Conservative Opinions online at amazon.com. The book contains essays and commentaries about illegal immigration, fake news and race relations. If you are interested in inviting elconservador to speak to your group or event, Please contact him through Facebook or through the station at 930amtheanswer.com. El Conservador thanks you for your support. Keep the fire of freedom
2: burning. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador on KLUP 930 AM radio. And we've got uh, my good friend uh, Jay Wiley. Uh, who has his uh, own uh, syndicated show Law Enforcement Today and I wanted to reach out to Jay because uh, of course Jay is a former police officer himself and uh, he deals with uh, law enforcement issues on a regular basis um, I wanted to talk to him about the stress that uh, police officers are facing right now in these uh, critical days that we've been going through um, and Jay, uh, another thing that I've become aware of is the uh, horrific suicide rate that um, uh, some police departments like New York City have been experiencing. So please tell us about the stress that police are finding themselves under right now the, in, in, these, in this time of, uh, of uh, uh, tumultuous times here in the United States.
4: George, first of all, it's a pleasure to be here with you and your your listeners, like always. Um, The the heat has been turned up under the saucepan tremendously. Um, Police work uh, and other first responders, firefighters, EMTs, our EMT brothers and sisters, they they see bad stuff all day, every day. They never get a break from it. Our our dispatchers, our corrections officers, uh, everybody's going through elevated stress. And stress, as you and I both know, for everybody, it can contribute to mental health issues. It can create all kinds of physical health issues and stress kills. Now we take the stress and it's been ratcheted up quite a bit on top of what's already going on. And I believe that that we are at a tipping point. We have so many officers that that can retire that are leaving. Uh, So many that are new in their career they're saying i'm not going to do this anymore and it, 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 there's no break from it. it there's no respite from the constant not just a life-threatening stress but the name-calling the
2: insults the attacks it, it just never ends yeah the disrespect uh is one of the things that really really gets me like we saw last uh uh summer when uh, buckets of water were being thrown on police officers in uh in new york and uh, you know that had nothing to do with uh, the the killing of uh, of or of a of an individual under under uh, arrest. Uh, it was just uh, just absolute disrespect. Um, I heard uh, or or there has been talk that uh, last uh, uh, Wednesday evening in Atlanta uh, there were some police officers that have um, uh, apparently. Uh, walked off or called in sick. And uh, again, this is another sign of uh, the stress that these uh, these folks are, are being placed under uh, because they were apparently asked to, they've been working overtime uh, without compensation. And in fact, I think Chicago's uh, uh, Fraternal Order of Police uh, uh, union chief has said the same thing, has been complaining about the same thing that they've been working Overtime without uh, respite. So not only are they working overtime, they are uh, uh, being disrespected and and working under a lot of stress. So where do you see this going?
4: All I see is, unfortunately, it's going to get worse and worse. And that means people like you, me, all your listeners, we're all going to suffer. Uh, I'm not just talking about San Antonio or that area. Uh, one of the luxuries that we have in the United States is that when you have an emergency, you can dial 911 and a first responder, usually police, shows up first or some law enforcement because they're closer. Uh, even for medical emergencies. And we don't want that to change. And we want the best qualified, best trained, best mentally fit and physically fit person possible to show up and help us. Well, when those people decide they've got other options, they're going elsewhere, who's going to fill the ranks? And that should alarm everybody.
2: Yeah, it, it uh, I mean, this situation also with um, uh, the recruitment, I mean, it, it. I mean, who wants to be a police officer under these these conditions at that point? I mean, they are so disrespected, not only on this, but um, uh, I, I'm, I'm watching MSNBC and, and, uh, and CBS last night and uh, there was not one single positive word in any of their reports about police officers.
4: Yeah, well, that doesn't sell. That doesn't doesn't, uh, create viewers and and listeners and people buying your your newspaper or your your web version of your newspaper. That doesn't sell. We had a saying back in Baltimore in the 80s, it bleeds of bleeds, and they always led the stories with the worst possible way of making the police look bad. Um, and, And it's as if the stories are always designed that the people involved, the cop and let's just say the suspect, out all the decisions the suspect made, uh, every option they had where they could have uh, changed the outcome of the event and just made it negative about police. And now you're getting it from family members and uh, at at picnics and everything else, and you get the news. So I don't know that that part has gotten better, but the, the, the thought that your own city, your own agency, your own department could turn around and arrest you and, and make you face possibly um, death penalty cases and in non-clear-cut incidents where you're dispatched to do a job, and if you make a mistake, you could wind up losing everything and being thrown in prison for the rest of your life.
2: Well, there's also this situation where uh, with the police uh, reform legislation that's being discussed, of removing uh, immunity uh, from the police officers. Uh, can you explain a little bit of what, what that what that means and what, what, what could possibly, what are the ramifications of that?
4: People confuse qualified immunity that police have, and not just police, but other uh, state and city officials have with uh, blanket immunity. No one has blanket immunity. As a, as a cop, I was sued several times. And fortunately, I always did my job the best I could. I never had a problem and didn't lose any of them. So even with qualified immunity, doesn't mean that they're immune from being uh, sued. So what's gonna happen if you take that away, no one's gonna do this job because it is so easy in this country to sue anybody for anything, even if it didn't occur. People are suing each other because they don't like the way they looked at each other. And that's what's gonna happen with not just our law enforcement, but our firefighters, our EMTs, our corrections officers, uh, our state's attorneys, all of those people are going to have the same problem. But you know what's the funny thing is, George, it's not going to be that way for our legislatures. They're never going to put themselves in a harm's way like that. It's just going to be a
2: <laughs> people that face that. Yeah, I mean, you know, if there's anybody that I'd like to sue is some of our, some of our legislators. <laughs> yeah. But uh, a fat chance that that'll, that'll ever happen. Uh, so, uh, you know, in, in conclusion, I mean, what what do you think we need to get at this point uh, to address this issue? I mean, uh, everyone is talking about police reform. I don't hear anybody talking about social reform uh, or, uh, or, or behavior reform. I mean, what do you think needs to happen? Well, we
4: definitely have to have, uh, I, I call it criminal reform where we start talking about that, but we also have to have honest conversations with each other. And one is, if you're in law enforcement and you're a professional, you need to take care of yourself. And, and we need to talk to each other candidly and openly and say, hey, you're not acting the same. You have a problem. Uh, and we need to, to talk about things like post-traumatic stress disorder. And We have to talk about it and not rely on our departments, our cities, our counties to take care of us. We need to take the bull by the horns. One of the things I was taught uh, and I tell all young officers this now, you're supposed to get a physical once a year. You should see a dentist once a year. You should have a trained therapist that's trained in, in uh, trauma that first responders experience and should see them once a year to keep your mental well-being. Um, and, and that's what we've teamed up with, HelpForOurHeroes.com, uh, specialists that help police, first responders, military veterans in a highly specialized program deal with this because lives are on the line and, and we don't want to lose people because they sign up to do a job that no one wants to do. We need
2: to take care of them and we got to be professionals and, and insist on we take care of each other. I, I agree. I couldn't say, I mean, I I, uh, I, I have several friends that are, that are in the police, you know, that are police officers right now. And, uh, you know, I, I have noticeably seen uh, them looking a, a, a more, uh, haggard lately uh, it, 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 it's noticeable it's very very noticeable and it worries me it absolutely worries me I I,
4: I think that's what you're doing a great thing by putting this topic on the air and saying listen this, from a thousand and cents standpoint it, it costs tens of thousands of dollars to recruit one law enforcement officer and train them I've heard to say it costs them $68,000 per per deputy to get Um, So we we can't afford as a society to lose these people up to three four years and for them to self-destruct and do something that's going to jeopardize their department, their city, their county, and themselves uh, financial liability-wise, and then also put their physical, mental health and life at risk. uh, Because estimates are at least 30% of our first
2: responders are walking around with some degree of post-traumatic stress disorder. And I believe that number is much higher. Wow! Especially for retirees. That's a lot. That that's that that that's really that's really amazing. I, in in conclusion, here I uh, I, I just you know uh, I want to thank you and others that have served, and um, I really really you know uh, I mean I, I it's, it's terrible when we hear not only uh, folks that want to get rid of ICE and immigration. Uh, but uh you know they want to get rid of the police officers i mean what does that leave us and uh you know the these folks these folks are w- walking around on uh, under a lot of stress i mean border patrol agents have been followed to their homes uh in the past and now um you know we' we're, we're, we're seeing uh we're seeing a lot of the same behavior with uh with police officers it's, it's it's shameful it's really really sad jay thank you very very much for taking time to be with us uh, tell the folks how they can follow you
4: very easily, uh, the best way is to go to Facebook, search for a Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Let's go to letradioshow.com. And right now, I'm not on your station yet. I'm, I'm hoping to get on there. Uh, we're on 36 stations nationwide. And after episodes air on the radio, become available as a podcast. And you can subscribe and listen for free. George, and thank you for taking the time uh, to, to do what you do.
2: It's very much appreciated. You got it, buddy. Have a good one. We've been talking with Jay Wiley, a uh, host of uh, Law Enforcement Today. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. Howdy, 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 once again, my friends. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM Radio. The answer here in San Antonio, we've got uh, my very good friend Jorge Bonilla from, uh, well, he's in Miami and uh, with uh, the Media Research uh, Center. And I wanted to reach out to him and chat with him about um, what both the Spanish language media and the regular media are, how they're handling information regarding uh, what's going on with uh, the uh, riots, the uh, protests. And uh, the uh, the Hispanic community. I mean, we we hear a lot about the what's going on uh, with the uh, Black community, but uh, not too much about what's going on with the, with the Hispanic community. Jorge, welcome to the show. What uh, what do you hear? What do you see regarding this whole situation, particularly uh, reporting from um, in, in the uh, uh, Latino community? What what's being reported? What's not being reported?
0: First of all, thank you so much for having me on, George, and and just, I'd like to extend a big hearty greeting to to everyone that's listening. Um, I, I got to tell you, Spanish language media is just as biased as it is, is it all. It, it's always been. We see this in the coverage of how they covered the riots. We saw how when they covered the, the rioting after uh, the murder of, of George Floyd, which we all agree was was an awful thing. Um, and we saw how, how otherwise peaceful protests were hijacked by Antifa and other groups of the organized left. And, um, you know, it, it's, it, we saw the violence, and we saw how they covered for some of the violence. We saw how they, they underreported some of that violence. We saw how they basically underreported what's gone on in, in the Chaz in Seattle that part of Seattle that's been that's been taken over by radicals. We saw how there's been a reluctance to report on that. Um and we've also seen a reluctance to report on, on there's been a selective reporting on some of these monuments that have come down. They've reported on the Confederate monuments that have been brought down in, in some of these cities, but the networks have been strangely quiet, George. On the bringing down of the monument to San Juanito Serra in San Francisco, which, as is, is we all know, that you know that, that's a significant part of, of history throughout the South and southwestern United States, but okay. the networks have basically conspired to erase it by not covering the bringing down of that statue, which is is very concerning, and it, it shows really if, if you know we we are to take. The, the catchphrase, one of the famous catchphrases nowadays, "silence is complicity." We could also say that the network silence, uh, especially with regard to the monument of, uh, of San Serra, is also
2: complicity. Yeah, and there was the situation also in Albuquerque where there was a shooting uh, uh, in defense of uh, the statue that was brought down there of uh, Juan de Oñate, another another uh, Spanish uh, conquistador. I, it, you know, it, you're you're so correct so uh this complicity this this silence uh have are there other examples like uh it, you know I had heard that uh it, there the def- there there had been efforts to defend uh latino communities from riots from the rioters uh it, it, have you heard anything like that
0: well we we know from reports that there's been some instances where actually because of because of the failures in in some of these big cities um Hispanic gangs have actually stepped in and, and protected the, the neighborhoods and, and said that we don't want the riots here. <laughs> oh,
2: my gosh. Um, but, that's, but that's gone uh, unreported. I imagine that. Well, you know, I know that there was a, uh, a nasty exchange between um, uh, one of the Chicago uh, Latino aldermen and uh, the, the mayor. Uh, over how uh, the issue, how, how uh, the riots were being handled and how, how uh, you know, neighborhoods were being protected. I know about that. Yeah, the,
0: the, the mayor, I guess, wanted to project uh, one thing and the aldermen and multiple aldermen in, in Chicago, or I guess all the persons now, if we're going to be, you know, using inclusive language and all of that. Uh, but some of these city representatives, some of these members of the Chicago City Council, if you will, um, sounded nervous and sounded pretty concerned over what was going on. And the mayor dismissed those concerns outright. Um, and you know what? In hindsight, and especially given the spike in violence that we've seen in Chicago, maybe they were right to be, you know, to be concerned. And it's it's all part of, of I guess, what we could describe as this Jacobin movement in, in going on throughout the left, sort of uh, taking after the French Revolution where whoever doesn't agree or whoever is someone to be erased w- w- goes straight to the gay with team. Without any consideration of, of anything, it's really uh, a strange moment to live in.
2: So, how do you think? How do you think this is going to play out, or this is playing out with the Latino community and and, and uh, the Latino media? I mean, how uh, do you think that they that they will eventually recognize that you know that uh, that there is no just monolithic uh, Hispanic. Community, like there is a monolithic, well, uh, like they claim that there is a monolithic Black community, um, that we're all very, very different, and some of us are very, very patriotic. Some of us will defend uh, the statues and and uh, the United States.
0: No, because there's no there's no business interest for the networks in doing so. As I as I said last time, the Spanish networks, the Spanish language networks, are basically a pro a left-wing lobby centered on immigration that has a broadcast signal i'll say it again the spanish language networks are a liberal immigration advocacy lobby with a broadcast signal so if it runs counter to their business interests they're not going to talk about it and they're not going to cover it and if it means depicting the latino community the hispanic community as the sort of, see, and again, I, I got to tell you, George, I struggle with the term Latino. So do I. <laughs> it, is, it is a manufactured term designed to community organize all of us, regardless of your background. If you're Mexican-American, if you're Chicano from Los Angeles. If you're Tejano, if you're Cuban in Miami, a Puerto Rican in New York, or a Dominican in Boston, or whatever have you, and sort of bring everybody under this under this one roof, and what I what I always ask myself is, whenever you hear anybody saying, "Yeah, we just want to unite the community," you always ask yourself, "Under whose control? Yeah.
2: Which community? <laughs> so, yeah, which community under the, whose control?" So. I struggle
1: with that because this this entire framework of identity was built in order to shove us all
0: into this box. And there are political beliefs that go with with that identity that you have to sort of toe a line on immigration, and not just on immigration, but on other liberal policy, because it happens that the politicians that, that push the main issue, of immigration also pushes other liberal line-on. so it, it, it becomes troubling. And the networks aren't interested in presenting much of anything that goes counter to that narrative, counter to that orthodoxy. Yeah. Um, and I know this because when when I was watching Univision after the DACA ruling, which, by the way, the network the networks, but especially Univision, misrepresented to hear Jorge Ramos um, talk about the DACA ruling. You would think that it was game over he went on the air and, oh, huge victory. The kids can't be deported. And Trump got shut down. That's not what the ruling said. If you read the ruling, all it said was you, you that the Trump administration's decision to terminate the DACA program has to follow these guidelines. And the court found that in their previous attempt to terminate, they did not follow those guidelines, according to the Administrative Procedures Act. But if you look at the ruling, I mean, Chief Justice Roberts wrote, if you do this, 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 and this then you'll be compliant with the law. He basically gave the Trump administration a blueprint on how to end DACA, right? Right. To hear Univision report it, they reported it as though, game over, this is it, the kids are here to stay. That's not true. That's right. True.
2: That's exactly right.
0: (laughs) Not only that, not only did they misrepresent the finality of the DACA rule, but when you hear some of these Dream Act advocacy groups they would say, Listen, we are fighting systemic racism and organizing to fight systemic racism just like Black Lives Matter because immigration policy is connected to So it's all one all these different organizations are coming together with the same you know, with the same end goal and it's it's troubling. If, if you fall asleep you'll miss it.
2: Yeah. I mean at one point it's there were going was, on right under our noses. Yeah, at one point they were they that have been screaming about the abolishing of, uh, of ICE, and now they're talking about the abolishing of uh, police departments. It's, of
0: course, it's <laughs> the, the abolishment of law enforcement, and again, for what purpose, and to substitute it with what, because I guarantee you, if, if these different organizations have their way, they're not going to substitute law enforcement with social workers, but they're going to substitute it with, with, you know, some have suggested the Cuban model of, of the community, uh, the, the the revolutionary defense forces within the
2: community. <laughs> I could see that. <laughs>
0: Just like in Cuba and Venezuela. So it's really, we see these blueprints at play, and it's troubling, and unfortunately these networks are out there misrepresenting a lot of what is going on to our community. That's why we have to be as vigilant as ever um, and, and see what's going on and call it out and, and challenge it. That's right. And not let it stand, because unfortunately, if, if it goes unchallenged and it's allowed to stand, then that becomes uh, it, it becomes conventional wisdom within the community. And that that sort of hardens and that's and that becomes a problem.
2: That's right. Jorge, here at uh, the conclusion, tell the folks how they can follow you, where uh, tell, tell them uh, where they can uh, read more about you and uh, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Thank you so much, George. As always, you can find us on Twitter at MRC Latino. That's MRC Latino at Twitter. We also have a Facebook page, MRC Latino on Facebook. And uh, you can find us on, online at MRCLatino.org. That's MRCLatino.org. Thank you so much for having me,
2: George. Once again, my friends, we've got uh, what Jorge what uh, Bonilla. From the the Media Research Center, Uh, thanks a lot for being with us. This is George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer.
3: Hello, El Conservador listeners. If you are interested in following George Rodriguez, El Conservador, we invite you to follow him at his Internet website, elconservador.net. You can also follow him on Facebook at George Rodriguez El Conservador and on Twitter at El Conservador for daily commentaries. You can also purchase his book, El Conservador, Conservative Opinions, online at Amazon.com. The book contains essays and commentaries about illegal immigration, fake news, and race relations. If you are interested in inviting El Conservador to speak to your group or event, Please contact him through Facebook or through the station at 930amtheanswer.com. El Conservador thanks you for your support. Keep the fire of freedom burning.
2: Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. And we've got uh, my very good friend, uh, Mr. Richard Mack, uh, Sheriff Richard Mack. And uh, he is with uh, the uh, he is uh, president of the sheriff, uh, the Constitutional Sheriffs Association, and I wanted to get him on because we are seeing some real insanity the situation in, in, in Seattle uh, with the chop zone the uh, the freedom zone or whatever they're calling it, uh, and uh, and then this movement to abolish uh, to defund if not abolish police departments across the country and uh, I just uh, I, I want to find out I wanted to get his opinion on what he thinks of the this insanity that is going on uh, and uh, what uh, wh- what can the const- what can a constitutional sheriff do uh, particularly in this uh, you know situation when the uh, the police departments the, the municipal police departments disappear Richard thank you for being with us welcome to the show. What, uh, what do you think of this insanity, first of all, in, in, in Seattle and uh, this movement to, uh, to defund, if not abolish, uh, police departments?
1: Well, uh, I think you answered a lot of it in your question and, and calling it uh, insanity uh, because it certainly seems to be that. And it's really hard to deal with insanity. How do you really uh, address something that is so insane? Uh, So I will try to take a measured approach to it and and hopefully come up with something that makes sense. But how do you make sense out of insanity? Uh, And it it is so contrary to uh, everything that America was supposed to be. It just doesn't make sense for somebody to say, we want justice and we're going to go uh, to get it. We're going to go commit uh, even more injustice. So again... More insanity, doesn't make sense, and we're completely losing uh, where we're supposed to be going. And so when you dis- try to destroy and then you want to make positive change, it'll never happen that way.
2: Yeah, it's negative energy, and I don't think that negative energy has ever produced any uh, anything positive. Right, <laughs> right, Exactly and th- then there's the situation that um uh this discussion of uh of uh the police officers the specific police officers that did wrong instead of dealing with them they are uh throwing the baby out with the bathwater so to speak they're dealing and, and there's two things to it uh,
1: defunding the police there's two things to it one i'm totally on board with defunding city police agencies because you only need a sheriff's office. Now, I have never uh, preached that. I've never said, hey, let's get rid of police departments. But if you were to uh, fund only one agency, it will be cheaper for the taxpayer in the long run. And there's always these arguments. Who has ultimate authority? Well, you and I both know that is the sheriff because he's the only elected person is uh, serving in law enforcement in the county. Uh, the chief of police for whatever agency, he's a bureaucrat. He only answers to the mayor, the city council, or usually he reports to the town manager or city manager. Uh, And that is not a constitutional republic. The people are left out of that process. However, in the process of electing a sheriff, the people are in charge. They say who their sheriff is. Uh, Instead of uh, another committee choosing it like they do for the chief of police, I don't bemoan chiefs of police. I just believe it would be better if we just had one agency. It certainly would be cheaper uh, if they only would streamline that and only had one agency serving the people instead of taxpayers' dollars going to all these different agencies, all these different buildings, all these different dispatchers, holding cells, and whatever else. It would be cheaper. Uh, to have just the sheriff's office and he's the one in charge because he's elected now if it were a movement to go back to having the sheriffs take care of the entire county where they are elected by the entire county that would be different but what is the rumor is uh, and, and has some at least some semblance of validity to it is they want UN troops coming in here and being the police?
2: Yeah. Yes. That's that. That definitely. That's not just a rumor. I mean, that has been proposed by uh, the uh, George Floyd family, as well as uh, a couple of folks in Congress recently, have proposed that. And I, you know, I, I find that to be outrageous. I find that to be dangerous. I would.
1: I would al- almost, if I had to choose between the two, I think I would go with no police.
2: Yeah. Well, it, you know,
1: it, coming it, in with their uh, more communist control uh, is is going to be as destructive as a complete anarchy with no police.
2: Well, it would be an occupying a foreign occupying uh, force on our uh, on our uh, soil. I mean, that's what it amounts to.
1: Well, it totally would be. And uh, I have I have maintained for decades uh, that we should not be a part of the U.N. U.N was supposed to be a peacekeeping organization, and it has involved the United States of America. Uh, 80%, 90% of the time that we have been involved in the UN, we have been involved in foreign wars Yeah, uh, and foreign entanglements. And I just absolutely cannot support a peaceful, peacekeeping, promoting world peace organization that doesn't do it. Uh, it has nothing to do with keeping the peace. All they do is uh, promote more wars. And uh, the United States being involved in all these Middle East countries, is there's more insanity there. If anybody thinks that we are taking or, or creating peace in the Middle East, uh, then I've got beachfront property for you in Omaha. <laughs> it doesn't exist. It doesn't happen. And our involvement with the United Nations, I really appreciate President Trump uh, in parity in the U.N. and having us not pay for 25% of all U.N. dues. Ridiculous. We've been paying, and Obama didn't care. Nobody cared. He said, now we have President Trump. He said, no, we're not going to pay. We're going to pay our fair share, but I really wish that President Trump would get us out of the United Nations. It is counterproductive. And it has been a brainwashing into believing that uh, you have the cities, the counties, and the states are over all of them, and then the federal government is over the states, and lo and behold, we now believe that the United Nations is over the United States of America. They have no authority over us. They're not part of us. They are not our boss, and we need to stop wasting so much of our time and money on an organization that was founded by communists, run by communists, and most of the countries there uh, hate us and oppose us. And we just need to tell the United Nations, you're not coming into our country. Uh, we want you to leave. And uh, it has not been productive to the United States that we've ever been a member. Somebody needs to have that kind of bold.
2: Yeah, exactly. The, the, the situation also... Is uh, that uh, not only did that did they want to be involved in policing uh, in the United States? There's been the proposal, of course, that they should be watching over the uh, uh, that they should be watching over the elections. Uh, that they should also be watching over the uh, the detention of uh, of illegal aliens as well. So uh, you know, I mean, there there's been lots of proposals.
1: Races, they said to the uh, Im- Incarceration of all races.
2: Yeah, yeah. It, it, you know, there, there's been that proposal. So, getting back, you know, in closing here, getting back to this situation of a a possible. I'm not going to say probable, but I'm I'm saying a possible in the event of a possible vacuum by by uh, municipal uh, or county police uh, or a county police uh, force. Um, the sheriffs could very, very easily, uh, I mean, if they had the resources, hopefully, step in. Could they, Don?
1: Yeah, yeah, they could and should. And I I believe that if we had any real leadership uh, from the mayor or governor in Washington, that we could really do something about it. But when you have uh, governors and mayors actually uh, giving uh, even more than tacit support of the occupation there of that's absolutely scary uh, that those kind of leaders are, are doing that sort of thing. Uh, so, but really, the sheriff should take the bull by the horn, uh, show some leadership, and uh, try to get this thing settled. And And I, I would uh, reach out my hand to the uh, occupiers of Seattle. Uh, and, and said occupiers is way too...
2: It's a nice term. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, that's really <laughs> innocuous. Uh, we really should be uh, going after these people and arresting them. Uh, but I would still like to ask them. I, I would sit down with them. If they would invite me in, I would go in. Uh, at the risk of being hurt or even killed, uh, I, I, I would not think they would kill me and invite me and then kill me. But I would go in. And I really want to ask them, what on earth are you trying to achieve here? What are you after? What do you hope to accomplish? Uh, because this uh, violence that you've had there, you, somebody's already been killed, several people have been shot, there's accusations of rape and and uh, other sexual assaults. Uh, can that accomplish anything? And if you're really after justice, let me tell you, if it's the Floyd Brown, uh, Flo- uh, George Floyd case, if you're after justice there, I can tell you 100% that the wheels of justice are turning exactly as they are supposed to they have they have already arrested all the suspects they are awaiting trial they have posted bond that everything is happening they're charged with murder they've lost their jobs they've lost their careers uh, what else do you want happening what do you call justice it's happening and and so uh, Let's try to be real here, and if we're really trying to accomplish something that's going to make a difference in people's lives, then get out of that city, and let's work on doing this, and let's stand and rise together to make this a better place to live.
2: Excellent. Couldn't, I couldn't have said it any better. Richard, here at the close, tell folks how they can follow you and um, how they can uh, support uh, the, uh, the Constitutional Sheriff's Association.
1: Well, I'm telling you right now, uh, we offer the training that would make this a better place to, to live, especially training cops and how they should be the guards of the republic and the guards of liberty in this country, just as they've sworn to do. Uh, and so the CSPOA stands for Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association. We want to include all peace officers in this country, uh, chiefs of police and sheriffs alike. So CS. POA.org. Everybody can become a member, and we ask that you do. Join us in this holy cause of liberty and making America a better place to live.
2: Thank you very much. We've been talking with uh, uh, Sheriff Richard Mack. Thank you very much. Have a uh, a good one, and stay safe. Thank you much. George Rodriguez, El Conservador on KLUP, 930 AM Radio, The Answer.